You glad you got your Bible this morning? Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 2 Thessalonians? And uh, I want to preach a message, and I'm going to ask you to do your very best today, to do your very best to listen. The message is on purpose this morning, and here in just a few minutes after I get done preaching, I'm going to ask Brother Nathan to turn the video off. I appreciate all of you that are watching online. We love you. We're thankful that you're able to tune in and listen. And uh, But I want to share with you from my heart today after the message. And so until then, though, I, the message is on purpose. So I want all of you to listen this morning because it all is relevant. It's always relevant on Sunday. And the message that God gives, uh, it's amazing to me that the God of heaven wants to speak to us. It amazes me. I don't know about you, but it amazes me that the God of heaven wants to speak to us. And here's what's amazing. He does speak to us. And the amazing thing is there are times that we are ready to hear, but sadly there are times we're not ready to hear. I hope this morning will be a day where you'll be ready to hear what God wants to speak to you about. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. I want you to look at verse 1 with me. And let's read God's word together. Let's let it come to life to us. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we know Paul is the human author, but we know ultimately God's the author. The Bible was inspired of God. Yes, he used men to pen the words, but they were from God. He inspired. These words could not have been penned or written down unless they had been given by God. So when we think about this passage of Scripture, we know that the Apostle Paul is the human author, We know that his personality is involved in this epistle. We also know that he loves the people at Thessalonica. Thessalonica. We know he loves them. We know he loves them. I don't know of any man, any pastor, if he's got anything that's real about him at all. He doesn't love the people that he pastors. And Paul was kind of like their pastor. Now we know that he was a spiritual leader to them, and we know that he would plant these churches and leave. We realize that in the book of Acts, but he had a heart and love for these people. So this passage of Scripture is not a rebuke. It is very, very clear out of his heart. He loves these people of Thessalonica, and he's trying to encourage them. So I want you to look at verse 1 with me and all the way through. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ... Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations, notice this, that ye endure, which is a manifest manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, 
and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask you again today to help us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now I want you to notice here, we understand that these folks are being troubled. They're being persecuted. Uh, We understand that these first century Christians uh, really had it rough. Uh, They were serving the Lord in very desperate days. Nero and these uh, Caesarian leaders of the Roman Empire, the most powerful men in the then known world, many of them, all of them, most of them were wicked. We know, history tells us, that Nero had an all-out war on Christians. He hated them. These people were being persecuted in the days in which they lived. But the Lord is trying to encourage them and let them know even though they were being troubled by these godless people. Now, let me just make a statement there because this seems very harsh. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Now here's the amazing thing about this. All people have an opportunity to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Lord Jesus has given Himself a ransom for everyone. Not just an elite, not just a small group, but even the ones that hate Him, He loves them. He died for them. And yet He's given them an opportunity, even though that they're rebelling against God, even though they're in this day that I'm reading about in, this, in the Word of God, but also in this day, there are people that hate the very mention of God. There are people that have become come to a place of all-out warfare towards God, towards Christians, to anything godly, to anything great. But yet God still loves them and still wants them to be saved. But we know that not everyone is going to repent of their sin. And because of that, God says those ones that He's given grace to, those ones that He has died for, when the time comes that they're all their desire is to do is to rebel against God and to rebel against Christians, then God says He's going to take vengeance upon them. So that means we don't need to. We don't need to. This is God's work. We are to love everybody. We are trying to reach them for the, for, the, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what we think our enemies, people that I disagree with, yes, God is going to exact vengeance on them. But before then, let's pray that they come to the knowledge of the saving faith in Jesus Christ. They have hope. Yes, we know that day will come. That the Lord Jesus will return. And when He does, all that have rejected Christ, all that has rejected 
Him we know. God says He's going to exact vengeance upon them. And the way He's going to exact revenge, He's going to perform this is in verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? That's hell. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody going there. Do y'all? I'm going to be honest with you. I disagree with a lot of things with our president and with a lot of public figures, but I want you to know something. It's a shame if one of us Christians really want him to die and go to hell. The Lord died for all people. And I think sometimes we have it in us that we think we're going to be the people that are going to exact vengeance upon people. No, that's God's work. We ought to be praying for people. We ought to be loving people. We ought to be loving them, not because they deserve our love. We ought to love them because God loves them. But that's not the subject today. But I just felt led to deal with that. This is an encouraging passage of Scripture. Why? Because these people are going through it. These people are going through it. These Thessalonians, these Thessalonians, they're going through it. And we know they're going through it because the Bible says in verse 3, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it's meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And then notice this in verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all, notice, persecutions and tribulations. So they're going through Tribulations and persecutions. In other words, they're going through some trouble. They're having some bad days. Now, bad words may be the first to come to mind when times are hard. We're all, it's all easy for us to talk about bad things when bad things are going on. Bad words are normally what we discuss when things are going rough, but when everything's crashing down on us, we just want to talk about bad things. We want to talk about what's leading to that, what's causing that, so we talk about the bad days. But our text is totally different than that because here's what Paul's doing. He's encouraging them while they're enduring bad days. Now, you might be going through something today and there's no observable reason for why problems have come to you. Maybe you can search your heart, and I would encourage you to do so. You know, Christianity is not, a, is not an outward thing. It is an outward thing, but it starts from the inward thing. I, I'm put out with everybody talks about, well, people are so, so, so wanting the outside to look right. Well, let me just help everybody here. If your inside's right, your outside will be right. I've never run away from that. I would rather your inside be right than your outside. But I'm going to promise you this. If your inside's right, your outside will be right. I'm not scared of either one of them. And neither should you. But he's saying to them, here, search your heart. You might be going through something today and you have no reason. You've looked at your life and said, you know what, I don't have any sin in my life. I'm not struggling in this area. So why am I going through trouble? Why? You might be asking yourself. You might be finding yourself today or maybe in times to come or in the near past. You might be saying, 
Why me, Lord? We've all done it. That's a good question. You know why? It's not wrong to ask. You know why? Because every trial, every tribulation, every circumstance in your life as a Christian, there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose. How are you going to know unless you really examine and ask? See, here's what's amazing. Everything that's going on in your life, it hasn't caught God off guard. God doesn't do. I made this statement the other day. I do everything on purpose for a reason. I do. I sit and think about things. I think about my life. I think about the future. I don't just, and by the way, I might say, oh yeah, I want to, I want like the other day, I said, oh yeah, I'd like to have a Sprite from Sonic or I'd like to have, um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't ever make spur of the moment, but when it's a really heavy something, I just want all of y'all to know something. I, I, there's a lot of thought that's put into it. There's a lot of self-examination into it. And I just don't do anything by the fly of my pants or by the, by the seat of my britches because I want you to know something. I have to examine things and I do ask questions. You know why I ask questions? Because I'd hate to go through something and not learn why. Do you know, and I'm going to say this because some of you are going to think, oh, you're just bringing it up. No, I'm going to tell you, whether you like it or not, I think there's a lot of great coaches, but I think there's one coach that sets himself apart for me than all the coaches that I have ever listened to, and I've probably listened to him a little bit more. But here's something that I thought, and here's what amazed me. He's probably not the most spiritual man in the world, but he used a spiritual principle in the setting of football. You know why it works in football? Because everything's spiritual. The same principles, the same principles, the same principles that make people successful in life and even in sports is nothing greater than what God's already given us. But here's what he said to his team. He said, you know what I've tried to preach and teach to my team? Here's what he said. He said, don't let a failure or a mistake go to waste. Now, if a 20-year-old boy can realize that or a 20-year-old young man can realize that in a football game, I would think some Christian people can also realize that things happen in your life for a purpose and don't suffer. Don't just let it go by without learning from it. Purpose. And the only way we can know is sometimes we just got to get along with God and say, why, God? Teach me. Search me. So when I think about this passage The saddest thing, if these people in Thessalonica is going through these tribulations and persecutions, I would be saddened if Paul's not writing them this epistle to help them because here's what he's essentially saying. Don't let the trouble go to waste. Don't suffer purposeless. If you're going to go through it, at least understand that God has a purpose in it. You know what the saddest thing is? People go through things and they don't get it. They go through things time after time after time. And then they say, I just don't understand why it keeps happening. Well, I do. 
Maybe we've not learned from it like we should. Maybe we've not examined ourselves because what we find in there we don't like. I know sometimes we don't like what we find, but if we're really going to learn from our mistakes, we have to examine it. So he's trying to encourage them. Look, you're going through trouble. You're going through problems. You're going through tribulations. He said, I can't stop that. But what I'm encouraging you to do is don't go through those things without knowing this. There's a God in heaven that loves you and he has a purpose for you. See, what God, what you're going through, what these people were going through, not caught off guard. God's not been caught off guard. It's no surprise to him. So Paul's writing this letter because since the first letter, something's changed. What's changed? I'm going to tell you what's changed. Something has intensified. Something has gotten greater. Something has gotten more heavy. You want to look at it with me? And we'll find out what it is. Again, the key here is verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. In other words, right now you're going through it. Now let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. Would you go with me? And let's look at the first little bit here. What has taken place? Paul's trying to encourage them. He's telling them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse that verse that I just read, that something's changed, they're growing. Paul said, look, your faith is growing exceedingly. Your love abounded towards one another greater. Then he said, your hope has gotten brighter. But what's brought about that growth? Trouble. Trouble. Trouble has been magnified. It's been intensified. But with it, these people, these Christians of Thessalonica, Paul was encouraging them because he was saying, during your greatest trouble, I've noticed something in you, church. Your faith is growing. Your love is getting bigger. And your hope is getting brighter. And what's brought about this? Trouble. Look at chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of your prayer and work you in our prayers. Remembering, now look, look, look here. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Nothing here is mentioned about trouble. And I want you to notice the change, the contrast. Notice the contrast. In verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians, if you want to go back, I'm just going to be flipping back and forth because it's important. In 2 Thessalonians verse 7, And to you who are troubled... Rest with us. See, this trouble has done something. It has helped them to grow. It is not what we would choose to grow. What's brought about this growth? Trouble. Notice the contrast. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 again. Notice what he says, your work of faith. Not that it's abounded. Just work of faith. He's thankful for the work of faith. And then notice he said, hey, I'm, I'm glad for your labor of love. And then he said, I'm glad for your hope. 
But notice in chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, because of trouble, because they're going through it, because they're struggling, the Bible said something has grown. So here's the message. Be careful now. Watch out. Something's growing. If we'll look around, even in the trouble, watch out now. Be careful because something's are growing. And by the way, isn't that what we as Christians are supposed to do is grow? How many of you are satisfied where you are right now in your Christian life? Would you come sign my Bible? And you know why no one raised their hand? Because there's no one here satisfied where you are. And by the way, if you are, you're in trouble. But what brings about growth? I'm going to tell you what brings. It always has, always will, will always continue. Trouble, valleys, storms, heartbreak. It's God's way. The Bible says God's way is in the sea. The trouble had intensified, but so has their growth. Can I just quickly show you a few things? Watch out now, your faith could be growing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth. And not just groweth. Look at, the, look at the description. Look at the adjective. Exceedingly. Your faith grows. Is that not what our faith should do? We should grow in our faith, right? See, when I was a young preacher, young man, it was big for me to trust God for little stuff. But through the years, I've learned something. Some of the stuff that... We, I worried about when I was 21, I don't even give it another thought anymore. Look, faith is not dependent upon how old you are. Do you know that I know people that are 60 years old and they display little faith? I look at them and say, you know what? They've really not grown in faith because they can't even trust God for the little stuff. I said to someone the other day, I did, and I'm not being ugly, but I just said, look, if you really want some things to worry about and to be heartbroken over, I can give them to you. If you really want to worry, if you really want to worry and get heavy, I promise you, I can share some things with you right now that you're not privy to, and if you're not used to bearing that kind of stuff, I can promise you, it will make some of the stuff that we struggle with very small. Where does our faith grow? When we trust Him. When we can do nothing but trust Him. And in troubles and in dark days, I want you to know something. See, faith can only grow when it's stretched. Some of you young men, Brother Chris, Mr. Noah, many of you, y'all like to work out. Y'all like to, and man, if you, if you know, and I wouldn't, I, and look here, I don't suggest any of you young ladies doing it. Except Jenny or his wife, you can touch his arms all you want to. But let me just say this. You go over there and touch Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, and he, and he, I'm going to promise you this, it's going to feel like a rock. You say, well, why is your muscles growing? Because he's stretching them. Nothing grows unless it's stretched. Nothing gets stronger unless it's stretched. And so that's why in trouble, faith should grow because you're being stretched. Let me explain it like this. If someone asked you on your wedding day, 
Why are you trusting that man or that woman? Well, I'm going to tell you honestly, you're going to do it because you're trying to believe them. All you got is to be able to believe that person that they're going to tell you the truth, right? So when you marry somebody, you're trusting, especially if you've not dated a long time or you've not dealt with that properly. If you stand before the altar before God and country and that whole congregation and you're telling each other, someone asks you, why are you going to trust her? Well, at that moment, you're going to be able to say, well, I'm going to trust her or him because that's what she's telling me. But see, in time, if that person is trustworthy, then your, your whole faith has changed in that. You're not just trusting what he or she said They've proved it. And I just want to serve notice to y'all today. God has proved himself to me over and over and over and over and over and over. And because I've had to trust him and he's always come through, my faith has grown. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him or and or. Have you? Are you teaching your children to prove God and not to prove you? Most parents want all their children to do is to have confidence in their parents. Wrong check. They should have all the confidence in the world in God. You develop that as a parent. No wonder we have such a generation of children. They don't have any trust or faith or belief. Why should they have to? Moms and dads do it all for them. And then we wonder why we have a weak generation that just can't trust something that they can't see. No, it's through troubles. And by the way, I think children should live happy lives. I think they should not be worried about a lot of things. But at the same time, there are opportunities. If parents are wise, they will let their children know there is a God. And when they might go through some tough times, instead of you taking care of it for them, let God do it. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How? How I've proved Him more and more. See, your faith hasn't stretched and grown if you haven't tried to prove Him. Because I can promise you this, if you've tried him, he's worked. And so if you're sweating the little things, he'll help you with the little things so you can faith bigger things. What brought about this? Trouble, sorrow. Most people, all they want to do is whine about their problems. They've never asked God one time, why me, Lord? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I struggling? Why is this happening? And God has a reason for it. He wants your faith to grow. He wants you to trust Him more. Our faith can increase, but only as we test it. Be careful now. I don't know what you're going through today, but be careful. Watch out now. Your faith could be growing and should grow. Number two, your love should grow. Your love's growing. He said, look here, I want to give you some encouraging words. I know you're going through persecution. I know you're going through some trouble that you're enduring. But I just want to encourage you a little bit. We're sitting back looking at you as a church and as individuals. And your love, here's what it said, towards one another has abounded. Y'all ever put too much uh, drink in a cup? How many of y'all have ever put gas in a car and the thing ain't clicked off and it's come down and made all that mess all over your car? Because you've overflooded your gas tank. That's what he's talking about here. Here's what it is. It's a love fest around that church. 
It love, love, oh, I love you. Oh, love, love, love. He said love's abounding everywhere. Oh, everybody loves each other there at the church. Oh, love, love. You know what's brought the church closer trouble when little Stone got sick? We've seen something in the children that's changed in them even. Why? Love has abounded. What's bright? The, maybe the thought of a loss of a little boy that's precious to all of us. Trouble! And all we want to do is sit around and lie about it. No, if you're not careful, watch out if we'll respond to it in the right way. We have an opportunity to love like God loves. What brings that about? What, 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 what makes your heart bigger? What makes your heart big trouble? Hurt? Pain? God gives you more of a capacity to love. Because you have to overcome and love things that's not easy to love. never been in the happy days when our love grows. It's always, we really find out how much somebody loves someone when they're in pain or in trouble. So you see, y'all watch out now. In all this trouble, I know it's dark days, but he said, here's what I want you to know. Your faith's growing exceedingly, and the charity of even one of you all toward each other abound. But that word abound, like the cup's running over. In other words, it's sickening how much y'all love each other. That's, that's what he's saying. Love, 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 love. Oh, I love you. Oh, I, love, oh, I can't wait to shake your hand. Oh, I love you. I mean, that ought to make just, and I've done picked on Chris a little bit. I'm, really, I'm jealous of him. I wish I had his arms. Amen. <laughs> but that love going through trouble ought to make Chris and Janet love, 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 love. Yeah, it ought to be sickening. When we get around y'all, it ought to be so sickening. Oh, look at them two lovebirds. <laughs> I'd like to see a little bit of that myself. What brings it about? I'm going to tell you all what. Trouble. Storms. Dark days. Watch out now. Your love's growing. We all know this. i got to hurry. Dr. Lee Robertson. Why was Jet Camp Joy ever created? Why did it ever come to a part of anybody's heart? Darkness. I don't know. Some of you understand where he is. I do not. Both of my children are alive. He was preaching a meeting and was told that his daughter, Joy, died. He left the meeting, came home, brokenhearted, trying to help his wife. But through all of that, after he buried that little girl, that dark day, that storm, that hurt motivated him. You know what? His love got bigger. You say, Pastor Mark, how do you know that? Camp Joy would have never have happened if Dr. Robertson's heart wasn't broken and it expanded his love because he loved because he, he loved his daughter and God used that in his life. He said, what we can do, this has been a tragedy, but let's make a triumph over it. I want to love more children because of it. So he, he, so he, he went down to the Lake Chickamauga. You know the story. There was an auction going on. Everybody that was everybody in Chattanooga was there. One of that piece of property, y'all know as well as I do, if it's on Lake Chickamauga, there ain't no trailers on it. Somebody say, man. 
There ain't no shacks on it. I'm going to tell you all right now, it's the hoo-hoo of Chattanooga, has homes on Chickamauga Lake, it's high-dollar stuff, and there was a little old preacher that went to that with just a broken heart, and they asked him, Dr. Robertson, why are you here? He said, well, I want to have a camp so children can get saved. So when that old auctioneer got up, he thought that thing even back in the late, in the early 60s or whenever it was, it was either the 50s or 60s, the 40s, and I'm telling you right now, $3,000 was a lot of money, but that wouldn't have touched that piece of property. That was the starting bid, and Dr. Robertson raised his hand, and God made everybody else keep their hand down because no one bid it against him. It went on for like an hour. That guy was nervous. He was trying to get other people to say, there's no way that this property can sell for $3,000. But there was a preacher there with a broken heart that God had expanded his heart to love more, and that's why Camp Joy was created, and more children was into heaven today. People's lives were change a day because of trouble. Amen. Trouble ought to make us love more, not love less. He, tried, he decided to trust God through it all. And I've learned this. I'm going to share it when I turn this camera off. I know that there's no better therapy to a hurting heart than to try to help others. Paul says, watch out now. Your faith's growing, your love's growing. Look at the last one, look at verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecution and tribulations. Here it is, that you endure. You know, you got to endure some stuff. You know what that means? You're being under the load. We're all under loads. Every one of us are under loads. They were under a load, but it's to keep on keeping on. Bitterness leads to retreat, giving up. We can't get bitter, but we ought to yield to our trials. Why? It leads to endurance and it strengthens our hope. We know that it, it will be worth it all. Thank you, Nate, Miss Donna. It will be worth it. Don't ever give up hope. Look at me. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how hurt you are. Don't ever give up hope. Though you may not clearly see the reason for things, you can trust and believe that God is still behind the scenes. And he makes no mistakes. We do. Job suffered like few men have and could see no, really, no rhyme or reason. Really, there wasn't any rhyme or reason. He didn't know why his trials, he didn't know that his trials were planned in the council chambers of heaven, and they were. You can't read the book of Job and not say that was the providence of God. Didn't seem fair, though, did it? He didn't know that Satan had to get permission from God. God gave it to him. All he was doing was in the blind trying to grope. 
But even in his darkness, here's what he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And I believe that's where we need to get. No matter what takes place in our life, hey, look, it might hurt, it might feel bad, it might be a struggle, but I want you to know something, we're going to trust him. Can I get a witness? Trials and trouble are designed to make our faith grow upward. Get a hold of this. They're designed by the great designer. The great designer. They're designed for our faith to grow upward. Our love to grow outward. And our hope onward. Don't allow your trials, sufferings, trouble, storms, whatever it might be. Don't let it be purposeless suffering. Get out of it what God wants you to get out of it. That's all I got. And all God's people said. I love all of you. Appreciate all of you who watched online. We love and appreciate you too. Let me know, Nathan.